Reading is uh, Acts 19, verse 1 to 20. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what were you baptised? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptised with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in tongues and prophesying, there were about twelve men in all. And he entered the synagogue, and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And the Lord was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of, some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. And Paul I recognise, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, Many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magical arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value and found that it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Thanks so much, uh, Josh, and it'd be really good if you keep your Bible open there uh, at Acts 19 uh, to refer to as we go along. Uh, hopefully you got a sermon outline with the email this week. Uh, if you don't receive church emails at the moment, you can send us a message here and we'll get you signed up for that. Uh, they include Sunday school material for younger kids, uh, kids outlines uh, that have got a few questions and a puzzle, uh, and then a fuller outline with some discussion questions at the bottom of those. And they might be for your own thought or in your growth group uh, or in your family uh, to do after the message each week. 
And as you're probably aware, I, I quite like uh, watching a movie from time to time. And I've certainly appreciated the fact that cinemas have been reopened in the last couple of weeks and I have uh, sought to make the most of it. There's one type of movie that I really quite enjoy. And that's the movie that's a little bit confusing uh, the whole way along. But then something happens in the last couple of moments that makes sense of the whole movie. You kind of feel like you're, you're a little bit of a fog while you're watching it. And then in this last moments, everything clears and all of a sudden it, it comes a bit together. Uh, a movie from quite a while ago called uh, The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind was, was one of those. And my, one of my favourite movies of all times, um, The Usual Suspects, has this ending which just turns the whole movie on its head. And they make you think long after the movie is finished about what was really going on and it may even prompt you to, 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 to watch the movie again. Now I want to suggest that this section of Acts 19 operates a little bit like that. In a way, it is a completely weird passage with lots of strange things going on that don't immediately make sense. It starts with Paul finally coming to the city of Ephesus. And it's a city that he's, he's longed to come to for quite some time. And he's had a very brief visit. But now is the time that God has really opened up that door for his to come. And right off the bat, he, he has this unusual interaction uh, with these 12 guys who are called disciples, but yet don't appear to be converted. They seem to know about John and his baptism, but they don't know about the one that John was pointing to, about Jesus and about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul tells them the full gospel. Uh, he baptizes them and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Now, to be honest, this is a very debated passage. Um, entire theologies seem to be based on it. And to be honest, I'm barely going to touch on it uh, again this morning. Now then after that, you know, things go to, back to normal for a while. Sort of usual transmission resumes. Uh, Paul goes to the synagogue. Uh, he has quite a long ministry there, three months worth, where he's, he's reasoning with the Jewish people. But as usually happens, eventually he gets kicked out. And he takes up residence at a new place where he can proclaim and teach and explain this lecture hall of Tyrannus. But then things get really weird again. Paul seems to have these handkerchiefs and aprons from his work as a tent maker. People have suggested that the handkerchiefs are like the sweatbands that he wears. And these get taken to sick people and people with evil spirits and incredibly they are healed. Uh, sick people are healed and people with evil spirits are set free. And then we have this incident with the seven sons of Sceva, who apparently is a high priest, who are trying to exorcise a man in the name of Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. The evil spirit doesn't know who they are. The guy leaps on them, beats them up. They run away bloodied and naked out of the house in which they were in. And then the passage finishes with this, this incredible scene of people who have become believers in the Lord Jesus who now bring their scrolls of magic and spells, worth, in today's language, about half a million dollars worth. And they have this massive book burning 
as people recommit their lives to Christ. Now, all of this seems quite unlike anything else we have seen in the book of Acts so far. It's a, like a whole different world that we're getting a look into. But I want to suggest that the key to understanding this actually comes right in that last verse that Josh read for us. In verse 20, Luke gives us one of his customary summary notes that he gives a number of places throughout the book of Acts. Listen to what it says. It says, So the word of the Lord continued to increase. Now, so far, so good. This is, this is stuff that we've heard before. But then he says something different. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. God's word has a mighty, powerful effect on that city. And particularly, effect in bringing light into darkness. This is the key that helps us understand what is going on here. Because Luke is showing us the powerful impact that God has through his word, by the power of, a Holy, of the Holy Spirit, against dark forces of evil in this world. And what we are getting here is a not-so-behind-the-scenes look at the spiritual battle that is taking place. The ultimate victory that is won by Jesus Christ and people and a city who are set free. Now, it's no coincidence, really, that Luke gives us this view from Paul's time in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was uh, quite a significant city, uh, sort of in the top five in terms of population, uh, capital city of the province of, of, of Asia Minor for the Roman Empire. And it was known for a couple of things in particular. First of all, it was dominated by the Temple of Diana. Uh, this large temple, one of, the eight, seven, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, uh, it dominated the skyline. And people came to Ephesus to worship Diana at her temple. But not only that, it was a city that was known for its magic and its spells. Spells that were referred to as the Ephesian writings. Powerful spells of magic that were said to be unlike any other. And that is what we find going on here as Paul brings the good news into the city. It's a city that is in the grip of evil, of dark spiritual forces. In verse 12, you, you have people with, with evil spirits. In verse 13, you have uh, Jewish exorcists, who even knew that such a thing existed. But Jewish exorcists, who, whose, fa whose father probably claimed to be a high priest, who knew the secret name of God as kind of an advertising ploy for their exorcism skills trying to cast out an evil spirit out of this man and ultimately failing. In verse 18, you have believers who have came out of a life of practicing magic, who've practiced the dark arts. And so here we have this reminder that as the gospel goes out, it goes not into a neutral world with neutral people who need to be convinced one way or the other about the truth of Christ, it goes into a dark world, an evil world, 
A world with spiritual forces that are against God and his work. And in some cases, like in the city of Ephesus, that bubbles to the surface. It's really obvious. And that's what's going on here. So that's what's going on. But even when you can't see it, it's there. It might be hidden or it might be secret, but it's there. It makes a lot of sense to us then, doesn't it, when we think back to the book or the letter that Paul writes to the Ephesian church. And hopefully you remember, we we spent some time in there at the end of last year. In chapter 6, Paul writes back to them this. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And this part of Acts 19 is a reminder to us that that is what is going on in our world. It still goes on in our world today. As part of preparing for today, I did a little bit of a Google search. I wanted to kind of just think a little bit about these Ephesian writings, these magic spells. And I actually came up, like it was like hit number three on a Google search. I came across a modern day witchcraft site, which claims Ephesian writings for today. Six powerful words, it says, that were written on the, the statue of Diana in the temple claiming that these things could be still to use today as, as, as mantras in meditation to create sacred spaces and spheres of protection and spells for amulets and tools to charge them with power. And it's a reminder. There are people today who are in the grip of evil, who are actively seeking dark power, spiritual power for their lives. Now, of course, not everybody we meet is, is dabbling in rich, witchcraft and the occult. But I am amazed by how many times I see on social media advertisements for clairvoyance and palm readings, lucky charms and spiritual objects for people to put on their homes. And these are just outward, visible signs of the darkness that exists in our world and in the lives of people. And it's into this city then, and this environment, that Paul comes. And Paul brings the gospel of freedom. The gospel of the Lord Jesus. And it's in this environment then that we've got to recognize that the mission of the church and the mission of the gospel is not just a mission to convince people one way or another of the truth of Christ but it's to see people set free. Free from the grip of sin, free from the grip of evil. And ultimately, that is the focus here. It is Christ who wins. It's Jesus who sets people free. In fact, from verses 11 to 20, it's really interesting that Paul only gets one mention. He barely factors. In fact, he's passive in that mention. He preaches in the synagogue and he he preaches in the lecture hall. 
But the rest of what is going on here is done by the power of God. Look at verse 11. Look at, look at how it starts. And God was doing extraordinary miracles. Not even ordinary, everyday miracles, but extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. These handkerchiefs or, or sweatbands and aprons that are, are taken from Paul to, to sick people, they're meant to remind us of that, that incident in the Gospels where, where a woman who has internal bleeding reaches out and secretly touches the cloak of Jesus and is immediately healed. God's power prevails. God is the one at work in setting people free. God is demonstrating that it's not witchcraft, it's not spells, and it's not magic that has the power. It's him. And when you have this weird incident with the seven sons of Sceva, uh, who, who try to use the name of Jesus, and they, they fail abysmally, the evil spirit knows Jesus, and he, he knows who Paul is. And ultimately he beats them up. And God is showing that this power is not like spells and it's not like magic or witchcraft. You can't learn a few magic words to make things happen. It's not power that can be bought or sold and it's not power that can be used for personal gain. It is the power that comes from the Lord God himself. Have a look at verse 17. Do you notice, notice the outcome here? It says, And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. God even uses this weird incident so that the name of Jesus is the name that is honoured and feared in that city. He uses these evil forces for his own good. And then finally you have this incredible display of the power of God at work in those who believe. They become convinced that it is Jesus who has the power to save, the power to heal, and he now demonstrates his power to set people free. They come and it tells us in verse 19 that a number of those who practiced magical arts brought forward their books together and burned them in the sight of all. They came confessing, in verse 18, and divulging their practices. These secret spells they make clear. They confess what they had been involved with. People who had been enslaved by evil. Enslaved by the evil one. Are now being set free by the power of God. Now how can that be so? How is it? That people in the grip of evil can have their lives turned around. Evil spirits leave them. Broken the power of magic and spells that hold them. How can that happen? Well, let me remind you, let me read again that passage that we read early in the service from Colossians chapter 2. Where it says this, And God and you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. 
This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. You see, not only has Jesus set us free from the penalty of sin, but he has defeated the power of the evil one. On that cross, he showed his power to be the sham power that it truly is. That he alone is God and King and he can set people free. You see, we don't need good luck charms, lucky socks. We don't need guidance from stars or our palms. We don't need it. In fact, all these things do is they enslave us. We have the one who reigns over heaven and earth, who created all of it, who reigns supreme in it. And our lives and our futures, they are in his hands and they are good hands. Why have someone read the stars for you? when you know the one who put the stars in place. Now, I don't assume that any one of us has magic scrolls or spells locked away at home from a former life. Uh, I'm not anticipating that we need to have a scroll burning out the front of the RTC this morning uh, when people come. But as his people, as those who have been set free by him, we don't dabble in the things of darkness. We don't think of these things as harmless fun. Reading horoscopes and being guided by them is not harmless fun. Making decisions based on our palms or tea leaves or the month that we were born in is not a little joke. It is the outworking of the Prince of Darkness. And we belong to the King of heaven and earth. He paid for us and he set us free and we belong to him. And not only do we belong to him, but he is continuing his work of setting people free in this world. Bringing people to himself by the power of the Holy Spirit, from darkness into light. And maybe this is where Paul's interaction with those 12 disciples of John fits in at the start of the passage. It's a reminder of God's power at work in people by the Holy Spirit. That it's the Holy Spirit that convicts, it's the Holy Spirit who has power to bring new life, to set free. And that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And church, this is the confidence that we have as we bear witness to him. That by the Holy Spirit, through his word, through the announcement of the church, his victory over sin and darkness and death is being announced. It's being announced in this world 
And as it's announced, he continues his work of drawing people in and setting them free. Again, some years later, Paul will write to the Ephesian church and he'll remind them, remind them of this. He'll, he'll explain his prayer for the Ephesians that they would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above every rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named, not only in this age but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And a little later on in that letter, he will spell out the great privilege that we have as a church in announcing this victory to the world. Paul says that his ministry is to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purposes that he had realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. How does Paul Luke now summarize this in this passage? The word continued to increase and prevailed mightily. The word of God proclaimed and taught and shared and preached little bit by little bit undoing the work of the evil one prevailing mightily bringing people from death to life. His word continues to prevail mightily in our own lives. This is how we are set free this is how we are daily renewed to live for God. Set free from the things that would enslave us. By hearing his word, reading his word, meditating on his word. Through his word he captures our hearts to his greatness and his glory. To his control and to his love. His word makes everything else pale into insignificance. And it is his word which prevails mightily in this world. It's his word shared, preached, studied, meditated on with others. That works powerfully by the Holy Spirit to bring people out of darkness into his marvellous light. Let's pray together, shall we? Almighty God, we thank you this morning that you have won the incredible victory over sin and over death and over Satan. Thank you that in a world that is still so often in the grip of evil, you are at work and you are setting people free. Lord, where we are still bound by sin and gripped by evil, we ask, Lord God, bring your freedom where we are tempted to trust for guidance or for strength, things that are not you, please set us free. Remind us 
of your greatness and your goodness. And Lord God, give us great trust and hope and confidence in the power of your word, your word to save, your word to set people free. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.